The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. I'm Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. You are listening to The Bird Calls on the Off the Glass, Nothing But Net, and Up and Under Networks. For more on your Pelicans, go to iTunes, search The Bird Calls, and subscribe today. What's up, Hells fans? Welcome to Trade Deadline Special. We're going to do a quick reaction to all of today's events, and then tomorrow we'll be back with Grub. We've got Ali Cosell, our editor-in-chief, as well as Kevin Berrios and Charlie Gonzalez. And help me with this, Charlie. Is this your second time on the pod? Oh, this is my debut, believe it or not. This is the debut. So you guys make sure to follow him at CWG the second. I think that's right. Of course, you can follow Ali Cosell at Ali Cosell. Kevin uh, B for Bounce, I think, is his handle. Of course, me. I'm at Preston Ellis. Before we get to any of the trade speculation, right now the Pelicans have 16 players on their incoming roster with the addition uh, today. So, Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time. But the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Someone is going to have to be relieved of duty. I'll start with Ollie. Do you have a favorite among probably Morris, Clark, or Frazier? I kind of think they're going to give their own, the benefit of the doubt, let them finish out the season, fight for a contract next year. So I'm expecting it to be any one of the guys that are new and incoming. So Markeith, um, or if you let, yeah, it's got to be Markeith. I guess you can't wait for, it depends on the order of the trades that actually got um, handed to the office, right? So I think that's how it normally works. So say that other trade with involving Nico, maybe they could let Jim, uh, Jason Smith go. So I don't know. But you've got to let one of the, I think, new guys go because you should always take care of your own first. That just shows a good message, you know? Yeah, I was talking with, uh, and I apologize, I'm going to murder his name, Paulo Kayak. I'm sure Kevin will know how to pronounce it better than I possibly ever could. But uh, he, he gave me a bit of knowledge today that the Pelicans can't move on from Jason Smith or Stanley Johnson. They have to first acquire them in, in addition to the 15-man roster. So someone who was previously on the roster has to be let go. And Markeith Morris does fall among them because he already has been announced with a team. Let's go over to Kevin. Uh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. 
Cool. Let's go over to Kevin. Uh, Kevin, so it's got to be one of Morris, Clark, or Frazier. You'd have to think they're not going to cut ties with anybody else on the roster. Obviously, Tim Frazier has been critical uh, playing point guard minutes, uh, especially if Alfred Payton's not going to come back anytime soon. But then you've got Ian Clark, who scored 15 points in three of his past four games. I can't remember exactly what he did against the Bulls last night, but I remember he had a, a couple of nice rainbow threes. Kevin, who are you letting go? It's kind of tough because there's reasons to keep everybody and reasons to cut everybody. I mean, uh, if Alfred Payton comes back, you don't necessarily need Tim Frazier. You can waive him. Um, if uh, I mean, I personally am, even though Ian Clark is hot right now, I've not, I've not been a big Ian Clark fan, so I wouldn't mind him going. But also, I mean, I think I have a little bit of a different perspective than what Ollie has on that because, like, if you waive Ian Clark, a team might pick him up that's in the playoff run. You know, like Philly has a has a depleted bench. He could help out there a little bit. Um, so those kind of things could be helpful to a player as well. Uh, Markeith Morris, the only reason to keep him is if you just want to screw over Clutch, you know, if you want to throw another jab at Clutch again, because, you know, he would normally you would expect him to be bought out. And then again, somebody who could be added to a playoff team's bench in the buyout market. But now you just sit him on a team that's not going to make the playoffs. Uh, so there's a reason to do that just for the the storm that Rich Paul and Clutch has started, but I would guess that Markeith is the one to go, honestly. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I mean, Frazier and Ian Clark, Ian Clark with the way he's playing right now might accidentally win you a couple games. So it might help you to cut him too uh, for that reason alone. <laughs> but, but I think it's one of those, I mean, definitely don't cut Jason Smith. I mean, I know you can't obviously what you just said, but, I wouldn't consider cutting Jason Smith because we need to see him in those perilous Mardi Gras uniforms. <laughs> if they were just designed for him, this was destiny. It was meant to be. Um, uh, so I'm very glad it happened. I even called this way back when we first saw those. I was like, trade for Jason Smith now. He needs to be in these uniforms. And I got my wish. Hey, you did. Before we get to Charlie, just to drop a bit of knowledge, uh, Markeith Morris is scheduled to make $8 million in the final year of his contract. So if the Pelicans let one of Clark or Frazier, or they could just negotiate a buyout with Markeith Morris, that's probably likely what they're going to do, at least what Rich Paul is going to want them to do, and maybe he can go and uh, join up with a contender. But in addition to that, the Pelicans took on about $1.7 million, I want to say, uh, by upgrading from West Johnson to Markeith Morris. So they can save that money right now. But even should even should they waive all three of these guys and just start picking up, uh, picking up 10 day contracts and giving some young guys a, a look, that could be another scenario. Charlie, what do you think happens in this mess? Well, since we've been living and dying by conspiracy theories for about, I don't know what, two to three weeks now. Uh, if, if we want to try and uh, kind of smooth things over, I think Morris is the easy target, given all the factors involved, given the clutch connection, um, letting him kind of go maybe is, is sort of an olive branch, uh, Obviously, they don't deserve one. I don't think that that's any case. But uh, trying to kind of, uh, I guess, be the bigger entity in this situation might be something that could uh, help the Pelicans. Am I am I correct in that uh, Morris is still injured? Is that right? He's still got a uh, injured yeah. neck. Yeah, he's still. So, so not only that, he can't really do anything. It, it might be something that just kind of is best for all parties involved. Um, like we said. Clark's been playing well of late, and he's been kind of all over the place throughout the year. Frazier and AD are best buddies, so maybe you don't want to, you know, keep to keep things as calm and as, as stable as we can, given that we know that things have been so rocky for the past month, and they're going to be kind of weird until July. So that would be my – it's the easy, easiest answer to, to the question, in my opinion, just because 
Morris isn't going to do anything for us. I don't think he's going to help us win, lose games. And like you said, I mean, if we can cut them all and, and start picking 10 days, start kind of swinging on, on some of the guys that might have some potential. I mean, look at what Kenrich Williams has done in just the past week and a half when he's finally got some playing time. And maybe there's another one of those out there that's, uh, you know, waiting to be picked up by Dell off the scrappy. Yeah, definitely. So the Pelicans might have just picked up a second round uh, draft selection for pretty much doing nothing. I mean, they saved some luxury tax concerns from the Washington Wizards, uh, but they unloaded Wesley Johnson taking on $1.7 million. But if they do do this favor for Rich Paul, uh, maybe they can save some of that money in the buyout. So it looks like the Pelicans just smartly added a 2023 second round draft pick. I don't know if there's any protections on that, but we'll go back to Ali. Ali, uh, this trade happened pretty late last night, I think right before the Bulls game. Uh, we've already pretty much gotten this um, out of the way, but do you think there's any possibility that the Pelicans might want to give Marquise Morris a meaningful look in a couple of weeks? It says that he's scheduled to be reevaluated in two weeks, so he could conceivably play the last 20 games for the Pelicans. All right, Preston. Yeah, so you think that the Pelicans will maybe give him a shot simply because Alvin Gentry has coached Marquise when he first entered the league over there with the Phoenix Suns, but honestly, I don't think so. I don't think there's anything to look at. I mean, if, if you just trade away Nico, who I know that the Pelicans really held in high regard and thought that he could possibly be, you know, a good key member of this, uh, you know, kind of new identity moving forward, shaped around Drew Holiday, this whole effort, try hard mentality. Then if you're not keeping that guy, why are you keeping a guy who, you know, has kind of had his battles in locker rooms? He's kind of that tough nosed guy and he's a veteran. You know, he's not going to want to come in and have to silly impress everybody again for the 50th time. He is what he is. So, no, Preston, I, I would say not. I, I just don't expect that to happen at all. All right, Kevin, uh, are you a fan of Markeith Morris? Uh, just last season, he was shooting 37% from three-point range, 12 points per game on less than 10 shots, uh, four and a half field goals per game, uh, three three-pointers per game. Pretty efficient from the field, shot nearly 50% from the field in general, 48%. So it is a guy who can give you a lot when he is healthy. Do you think the Pelicans should give him a shot? I mean, I was a fan of his when we were talking about trading Ryan Anderson for him, but I mean, not... <laughs> I mean, I think he's he's an okay player and he'll help a team on the bench, but he just doesn't fit the direction that this team is going in now. You know, um, he's not he's not really big enough to play inside and he's not and he's not that great of an outside shooter to give you a stretch for. Um, but and that's just basketball talk. But in terms of like the direction this team is going, where we're clearly about to go younger, um, I don't think this is the kind of veteran that you bring in. I mean, he's not a guy that's known for being a great locker room guy or a great guy off the court. So bringing him in with a bunch of youth, uh, I don't see much benefit to that. So I wouldn't carry him over for sure. All right. What about you, Charlie? Well, to be honest, I thought he wasn't going to be long. I thought we were going to see the kind of uh, trade that uh, Houston did with like Nick Stauskas. I thought we were going to see something where he was going to be moved somewhere else uh, obviously, that was, uh, uh, you know, kind of helping out Washington there, getting the second-round pick as well was just, you know, kind of filler. But I expected Marquise to be there for maybe, you know, half an hour and be out the door. So we'll see. I don't necessarily think that he's going to be uh, someone that's in the long-term plans. So I, I don't think it's worth – it's worth the time. It's worth the energy of anybody involved, really. 
All right, Ollie, let's move on to the main course for today. Of course, we'll talk about Anthony Davis a little bit later. But the big deal today was Nikola Meritich, and he went to the Milwaukee Bucks to team up with Giannis Antetokounmpo and Brooke Lopez to form a pretty devastating front court there. And in exchange, the Pelicans take back Stanley Johnson, Jason Smith. Jason Smith is an expiring $5.5 million. He's another candidate that could be bought out once the Pelicans do get down to 15. Stanley Johnson is somebody the Pelicans could extend the qualifying offer to, and then he's a restricted free agent next summer in the summer of two. 2020. I think that's where we are in the calendar year. I can't believe uh, Jennifer Lopez's song Waiting for Tonight or whatever came on the radio the other day. And my wife looked at me and she said, do you know that this song is 20 years old? So I'm, I'm having a difficult uh, time keeping track of things. But in addition to that, Ollie, they get four second round picks. I think two of them are from Milwaukee. One of them is from Washington. One of them is from Denver. They had bird rights on Nikola Meritich. Everybody loves Nikola Meritich. He's such a positive guy. And when he's got it going from deep, uh, he's a really great player. And he's a very large reason for the Pelicans' success last year. What did you think about this deal? I'm sad. That was my first reaction. And as you guys have known, ever since we landed him, I've always been a staunch supporter of moving forward with a guy. Even when we got Randall, remember over the summer, we were kind of picking sides. It's got to be one guy or the other. I was always on Meritich's side. And, even more so through this year, which was crazy disappointing. And you could feel it through the locker room after practices. It was hard to get a lot of these players to say anything to you, let alone something valuable they can use in writing a story. And outside of Solomon Hill, Nikola Miritich was that most forthright guy. So I'm going to miss his voice, his honesty. Um, he's all class. I mean, if you spend just a minute around him, see the way he treats his kid, the way he talks to you with respect, looks you eye to eye. I mean, you don't get that too often in uh, locker rooms. So he's a special dude. And, and uh, you know, best part about him, I thought, is he's, he's always trying on the court, you know, defensively or offensively. When his stroke's not going in, you didn't see the guy slumping shoulders and just jogging back, you know. So, you know, what we could criticize a lot of other guys on the team. So I'm going to miss him for all that wonderful effort and stuff. But moving forward, Preston, you you were right. We went won out the battle where you, the Pelicans had – to get something of value for any players that, you know, necessarily don't fit the timeline. And Nico represented the best chance for getting that value. And we saw that. Now, I'm not holding out too much hope for all these second rounders turning into something because really Denver's and Milwaukee's, I think, more are like cash consideration types where they're not going to bring any kind of value. But the Washington picks, I mean, when you look at what's going on with John Wall over there and there's now rumors that, Hey, maybe they need to move on from Brad Beal. Uh, so that 20, 2020 and 2021 picks are really huge, considering that kind of fits the timeline of when they're going to be still struggling with all, all you know, figuring out their direction uh, and reacting from Wall's Achilles tear. So I love that. Um, used to love Stanley Johnson. Uh, if you guys may remember, he was kind of a target of ours when we had Ryan Anderson three years ago, and we were hoping the Pels would get something of value either for Ryan Anderson or Eric Gordon. And Stanley, was a, he was even one of my targets. You know, he was young, uh, kind of a big guy forward that you kind of wanted that you thought could be that 3 and D guy. But now, you know, what's he in his fourth year, I think? And this guy has just struggled. He's never found that three-point shot. I think he's never been over 30% from three. And if he has, just barely. And, and, and he hasn't even managed over a 40% field goal percentage. There's been rumors of him having issues in the locker room. He didn't really follow uh, Stan Van Gundy. So, you know, it's just a bad mix. I'm not expecting anything out of him, even though, like Preston, you said, we've got his restricted free agency. 
I'm not holding out hope on this guy. So, like I said, the biggest and best thing were those two Washington second-round picks. Yeah, uh, and just to clarify for everybody again, Denver's 2019, that should probably be around 50 this year where we picked Tony Carr. Then, like Ali said, Washington's 2020 and 2021 second rounders and Milwaukee's 2020 second rounder. And like Ali said, those could be converted to cash considerations depending on where they fall in the draft or what the Pelicans even think about the positions at that point. Let's go ahead to Kevin. Nikola Meritich is so much more than a scorer. We just think of him as a floor spacer offensively. But defensively, I think he was a very underrated one-on-one ball defender. We saw him go head-to-head with Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum in the playoffs last year. He was a good pick-and-roll defender, not a great rim protector, and you could not for the life of you pair him with Julius Randle back on that end but he did a lot of other things a lot of intangibles like Ollie said you always got a lot of effort on him what did you think about the decision to move on for him with this package in return oh you know I was always like um you know I would have been happy if we would have kept him and I'm happy that we moved him like it didn't matter to me like I really like Miritich I think he's a very good player I think he's a very you know you and Ollie already laid out everything we need to say about Miritich and why he'd be a good person to keep around um but that being said getting assets for somebody who might not fit the timeline depending on what they're looking at or how they want to build this team from now on that guy that's on an expiring and hey maybe we damage some relationship also by putting him on the block and he may not want to resign so now we're at least know that we're getting something for him whereas like we lost we didn't get anything for ryan anderson or eric gordon and you know those like you said those two washington picks are are nice. Uh, The other ones don't really matter. Um, My main disappointment in this is that we didn't just take those four picks and ship them to Indiana to get Aaron holiday. If he was on the block, like, you know, that would have been cool. You know, pair drew and Aaron have a point guard prospect in in the locker room, you know, a guy, you know, that's going to be competitive. Um, You know, he may not ever be as good as drew, or, or even Justin Holiday, but you know he's a young guy to take a flyer on, especially when you're talking about second round picks here. I don't know what the asking price was in Indiana, of course, but um, you know I was kind of hoping that was going to be the end result here. But as far as Nico, I'm happy for him. He's going to a very good, fun team. Uh, I think you know, imagine a lineup of Malcolm Brogdon, uh, Chris Middleton, Giannis, Miritich and Brooke Lopez on the court, all that length, all that shooting, all that playmaking, rebounding, and uh, versatility defensively. I mean, Brooke Lopez isn't versatile defensively, but everybody else can kind of cover a few different people. And I think that's a really interesting lineup for the East to have to worry about. Um, so I'm very happy for him. I think he's going to have a deep postseason run. And he, you know, may the Bucks may be the favorite in the East right now to come out, you know, um, into the Western, I mean, in the, in the championship. So um, I think it's great for him. I think the Pelicans did a fine job there. I wish we would have been able to move a few other parts uh, to really improve and get younger, but you know, I'm happy with what we did. Um, So, yeah. All right. Let's move over to Charlie. Uh, Same question for you, Charlie. Uh, I'm going to miss him. Uh, Just a positive, bright guy, somebody who's very interactive on Twitter, uh, not just, uh with us but with all the casual fans as well put that nice puzzle piece on twitter last night had some good time with that and said it was just an emoji so it's it's definitely we're we're gonna lose out on a lot of fun and we wish him the best in milwaukee but what do you think pelicans fans are gonna miss most about him 
Well, I want to know if he's going to grow the beard back. First of all, I mean that's, that's <laughs> number one. I mean, does that come with with the with the trade? Is he get to get the beard back since he's going up back in the east, back up north? I mean, he's not far from Chicago now. But you know, I think the fans are going to miss. I, I guess you all have already kind of kind of summed it up really well. Like kind of the presence that he provided. I mean, he was explosive. He was fun. Um, he was the one consistent, reliable deep threat that we have, and he would hit big shots and he was an out, like an outlandish presence on the court too. I mean, he was animated. He was engaged. It was a, it was fun to watch. He was a fun player to root for. And that's been so hard in some respects, uh, you know, as a Pels fan some of the time, because, you know, our main star is such a stoic, you know, kind of, he, he's an absolute, you know, world beater, but he just really kind of cares about his business and, you know, puts in a, a sort of lunch pail work with that. So, you know, blue collar style, so to speak. And I think that's really what they're going to miss is the fun and, and, and kind of carefree nature that, that Nico brought while also being you know really damn good. I mean, he was an excellent post defender for a guy that was uh, having to switch up specifically. You know, we all remember uh, him having to guard Nurkic in the playoffs last year. And he, hit, he held his own and he did that. And he was able to be that guy that everyone kind of hoped Ryan Anderson would be back in the day and fill in that spot as the kind of the four or five next to AD that would be able to take the brunt of the punishment. And I'm very happy for him at the same time because I think he's going to go somewhere he's going to flourish. I mean, one of the big things that Milwaukee's had trouble with this season is being able to keep their offense going with Lopez off the floor. And, you know, Lopez does present some matchup problems uh, offensively uh, for, for some teams, but defensively, you know, he has his limitations, even though he's pretty good as a rim protector and always kind of has been a good shot blocker. Now, Nico, you know, we've saw it. We saw he, he fits perfectly next to an all world six foot 11 talent who can do everything. So it's kind of, we, he's kind of been a test case down here while being ready for, to go right up to Milwaukee. And then, you know, with regards to what, you know, Ollie's talking about getting all these pieces together too. I think it's good for the Pulse because you look what Milwaukee did to get him. They turned Fawn maker into what Stanley Johnson and, and picks. And then we're able to kind of flip those picks along with salary into getting a real difference maker. So now the Pels have, you know, turned an expiring contract that might've gone somewhere else into assets down the line that could be flipped for the next Nico Miritich down the line. Uh, it, it's, it's a, I think kind of a win-win trade for everybody. Obviously, you know, would have liked more considering, you know, we did give up a first uh, shouts to Chandler Hutchison uh, to get in, but, it, it, I think it's a win-win. I'm happy for Nico because he's going to be playing deep in the playoffs. I think Milwaukee is going to be the, the top dog in the East just because everything in Toronto seems like it could fall apart at a moment's notice just because of how weird things have been, even though they've been excellent. And Boston, who knows, and Philadelphia is a science experiment at this point. So in my opinion, Milwaukee's got to be the, the, the front runner out there. And adding Nico just gives them you know, an extra boost. And we know how he does in the second half of the season going into playoff runs. And makes things harder for the Boston Celtics, who now have to face the rearmed exactly. Philadelphia 76ers, the Toronto Raptors, who acquired Marcus Saul. The 76ers, of course, got Tobias Harris yesterday. He got Jonathan Simmons today. Uh, obviously, Nicole Meritich goes over to Milwaukee. And things are going to get dicey for the Celtics. I wrote something on the Bird Rights today about the Boston Celtics reported offer via John. I'm going to give this my best shot. Gambadaro of 98.7 uh, Phoenix. And this, of course, is the same um, radio host who reported what Rajon Rondo wanted from free agency, the same guy who killed the Phoenix, Memphis, and Washington deal when the Brookses got mixed up. 
Uh, so obviously there's a lot of credibility that goes with this guy. He reported today at 2.30, 30 minutes before the deadline that the Suns were going to stand pat. And of course that all came to pass. And now here's the proposed offer that he has listed. It's Al Horford, Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart, Robert Williams, and three first-round picks. Obviously, we don't know what those picks are going to be. The Memphis pick is likely to roll over this year. It looks like now maybe the Los Angeles Clippers pick could roll over, but the Boston Celtics could conceivably still possibly have four first-round picks this year and rolling over in the future. So let's start with Ali. That's $52 million in salary. How would the Pelicans match all of that? Solomon Hill and Etwan Moore have to be involved, wouldn't they? Oh, absolutely. But first of all, Preston. Italian lesson, Gambadoro. <laughs> I mean, come on, buddy. Pronunciation <laughs> down. Anyways, yeah, this, this, this. You know, I don't know, Preston. If we should even believe this report to begin with. I feel like that was honestly put out there as a last-minute thing by Boston as to where, hey, if you're thinking about making a deal, if you're kind of on the fence, if you got your finger on that button, guess what? And then suddenly put in neon signs like the best possible offer that they can put together for AD. You know, I don't honestly expect uh, them to land that package for Anthony Davis come July 1st. Um, but if they were, you're right. Smart's making, what, $16 million? I forget what Horford's making. But, yeah, you're obviously going to have to move around some salary. And, and chances are maybe you would honestly think of bringing in a third team. That seems to make the most sense. I mean, unless the Pelicans, you know, come up with this plan of winning now, I think that's not in the cards. So you've got to – his last season somewhere else, give him a chance to play for a real playoff contender while we continue giving minutes to the guys that deserve it, that are going to be developing like Jaleel Okafor, which you know he's going to be back. So, yeah, Preston, I mean, I don't think we really need to analyze this package as much as the fact that we are now in the running with the Boston Celtics for their best offer, whatever it may be. I mean, we'll be fortunate to see something like this, but I'm not expecting something this rich, you know? Yeah, definitely. Let's go on over to Kevin. Uh, Al Horford has a player option this offseason. It's for $30.1 million. Obviously, he's not going to get there anywhere else, but this is conceivably his last big payday should he want to lock down a three- or four-year contract. Would you expect Al Horford to exercise his option this summer? Yeah, I mean, I think he's – why wouldn't he take $30 million guaranteed dollars when, you know, this the position he plays is – sort of being phased out and nobody wants to pay big money to an older guy in in that plays that position. I mean, where is he going to sign with like a rebuilding team? Isn't going to offer him a big contract because he's not going to be part of the future. And then, you know, teams that are, you know, collecting stars aren't going to have the money to give him that or are going to want to invest it in, in a guy that's aging at that position as well. So I think he gets that one last $30 million payday. Then he might be a guy that, you know, signs for below is worth to be on a competitive team, you know, being that little uh, veteran missing piece to uh, complement some stars and other teams later on in his career. All right. He's turning 33 years old uh, this June 3rd. Uh, so it's it's a hefty payday to be sure. He obviously probably wants to contend for a championship this year if the Boston Celtics shouldn't win one. Uh, he he might decide that he doesn't want to go to New Orleans and take his efforts elsewhere and try to get a chip in, I don't know, Los Angeles, for example. Charlie, uh, how important is it to you that the Pelicans are able to acquire Al Horford? I like it uh, on the surface in a lot of ways. I, I don't necessarily think it's uh, important 
I just think it's a necessity. Uh, obviously, they've got Hayward or Horford is probably coming back unless there's a third team involved uh, that you're sending one of those to and the, the money's coming from somewhere else. But if it was Hayward or Horford, I would like Horford. I think he's a great locker room presence. He always has been kind of a stand-up guy. Uh, he's uh, ex- excellently talented. He's, he's versatile. He can defend. He can, he can do a little bit of everything. He's Al Horford. He's kind of like the prototypical uh, big man that has kind of been in, in vogue for the past few years. And I think that it would also be a really interesting pairing with Okafor down there if he were to come in that, that kind of package. Um, I think he's got one more year left of, of kind of that big payday, and then he's going to start doing maybe the P.J. Brown, Udonis Haslam thing where he's kind of signing those one-year deals looking for that ring if he doesn't get one in the next year or two. So I, I think he'll pick that up and he would be included in that, in that deal. So I would be I would be very excited to have him if that was the package returning. And I don't even think it's that crazy. I think really what it comes down to is what are the picks going to be like? Is that Memphis pick going to be involved? Is uh, Sacramento's pick going to be conveyed, which well, it's gonna, probably going to be anywhere from uh, 12 to you know 16, something like that, depending on if they make the playoffs or not. So, you know, I think that as far as like actual players involved, I think that's actually a pretty fair compensation in a lot of ways. You might say that uh, each one more somebody's thrown in to kind of help flesh out Boston's roster because I mean, they're going to need it if they're dealing with four players for, for Anthony Davis. So I, I think that Horford would be a good get for the team if, if Tatum's the capstone and one or two of those you know, high-profile picks are thrown in, and that would be good for the team long-term in, in a lot of ways. Just, just a good, steady influence in the locker room right next to Drew Holiday for the young guys to kind of work with. All right. I actually have to run you guys because I'm being put on this fault story. Uh, But before I do that, let's just get a super quick reaction on Anthony Davis. Uh, Obviously, things are about to get super uncomfortable. Ollie, do you think Anthony Davis is playing 20 to 25 minutes per game for the Pelicans for the remaining 27 games? If they can help it, no. If there's a way around the players, you just really given almost issuing an ultimatum. Um, You know, if the league Adam Silver comes down hard, then I think they'll have no choice. But if they don't, then yeah, no, I don't expect Anthony Davis to play much. He put himself in this position. Everybody knows uh, about everything that's transpired. Everything's been so public. And to move back and uh, suddenly allow him to play simply because what? what's the argument? A few fans uh, are not getting the money's worth from tickets. Maybe some sponsors, guys that paid for commercials for on Fox Sports New Orleans are upset, yada, yada, yada. But honestly, I'm hoping not, and let's just pray he doesn't. All right, Kevin, what about you? Yeah, man, I'm with Ali. I hope I really hope he doesn't play again. Um, you know, I mean, this is he wanted to be known for his legacy, and this apparently is the legacy that he wanted, and it's terrible because we used to love and adore this guy, and then we're just seeing how he's letting himself get used and manipulated and just coming off looking terrible. Um, so it's it's sad. Um but yeah, I mean, it's. I think it's best for both parties because now you're talking about a situation where, if he comes out and plays, does the arena completely turn on him? Or is he going to be booed in these final games of his career in New Orleans? I think it's just better to have a quiet exit after all of this and just sit it out, go away from the team, get paid, collect his money, and wait to get traded next off season. All right, Charlie, finish us. Uh, finish us up. Take us home. I have to agree with both of y'all. I, I don't necessarily 
to understand what the advantage is for Anthony Davis or for the Pelicans in general, just to keep, you know, keep playing him, you know, obviously, you know, the risk of injury is, is always a factor uh, and him wanting to get paid his, his max contract somewhere, wherever it will be, has got to play into that. And then like Kevin just said, I mean, do you want to go out there and get booed every night or do you want to go out and risk your per game averages, which, you know, you talk about legacy and, and those kind of numbers matter to these guys. I mean, they do to everybody that plays ball and, you want to go out and, you know, get played 15, 20 minutes, 25 minutes or less per game because, you know, that's what the ownership is demanding and then ruin all your numbers, ruin all your, you know, your stats for at least this season, or you can just kind of sit out, go ahead and just go about your business. Maybe he shows up to stuff with the team or team functions, but just let him kind of separate. If I'm him, I kind of want to separate too and just kind of go ahead and move on and get ready for July. All right, you guys, I have to run, but that's our lightning quick recap. We're going to be back here in the morning with David Grubb. I don't think Kevin's going to be joining us, sadly. But we hope you guys enjoyed it today. Obviously, it's it's been a it's been an up-and-down season for Pelicans fans, uh, to put it lightly. Uh, and it's finally fun again. It's fine. There's finally some hope. Sure. There's some things to look forward to. Uh, it's it's nice not to be, you know, we've pretty much got it all right now. We've got the assets coming forward. We've got a team that plays hard every night that we can be proud of. I mean, this is pretty much all that we want as Pelicans fans. So I hope that you guys are enjoying the season. Remember to follow our guys at Ali Cosell, at Kevin B for Bounce, at CWG the second. Make sure you go over to thebirdrights.com. We're dropping new content uh, pretty much like every half hour at this point to try to keep you guys updated. So we certainly appreciate your attention. We appreciate you guys listening to this podcast. And we'll be back again this morning. If you guys like us, you know what to do. Rate, retweet, subscribe, all that good stuff. For now, let's go Pels and let's go Drew Crew. Thank you for listening to the Bird Calls on the Off the Glass, Nothing But Net, and Up and Under podcast networks. If you like what you're hearing, please take a moment to rate us on iTunes, retweet, share with your friends, and most importantly, subscribe today. Geico presents Yikes, another voicemail from your roommate. Sup, roomie? Hey, a pipe burst in the basement. It's completely flooded. Anyway, I called for someone to fix it, but in the meantime, I was thinking we could finally have that indoor pool party we've always wanted. I got some cool swan floaty things already going. Could you pick up some chips on your way home? Later. The Geico Insurance Agency could help keep your personal property protected. Like if your roommate isn't the brightest pool float in the flooded basement. Visit Geico.com to see how easy it is to switch and save on renter's insurance. Geico presents Yikes, another voicemail from your roommate. Sup, roomie? Hey, a pipe burst in the basement. It's completely flooded. Anyway, I called for someone to fix it, but in the meantime, I was thinking we could finally have that indoor pool party we've always wanted. I got some cool swan floaty things already going. Could you pick up some chips on your way home? Later. The Geico Insurance Agency could help keep your personal property protected. Like if your roommate isn't the brightest pool float in the flooded basement. Visit Geico.com to see how easy it is to switch and save on renter's insurance.